0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hi there. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well, having a fantastic day. So today's session is all about email sequences. Now, if you have never heard of email sequences, that's okay as well, but I imagine that you probably have heard of email sequences. The question we're really exploring is why more clinicians don't create email sequences, especially if you are a private pay clinician or if you are a therapist that's moving to more online income streams. I think an email sequence is a smart and logical call. I mentioned this on the interview, but traditionally, Over 90% of our sales of anything, whether it is our online course mastermind for therapists or our podcasting course for therapists, or even down to when we were doing sponsorships on the STC podcast, a lot of that came right through email. Uh, Just 10% traditionally has ever come from social media. It's something that I was surprised by, to be completely honest, and something that I wasn't exactly expecting, but it has also been very liberating to figure that out. And if you probably notice that anytime that we post on social media, there's inevitably an invitation to join our email list. And part of that is because of just some hard personal experience. When we first launched STC, uh, we had a Facebook group, and we still have our our Facebook group. But this is back in 2015 back then, Facebook groups were so new, and literally, if you made a post, pretty much everybody in that group would could see that post. But a few years later, um, meta started to it basically restrict who could see those posts, so essentially not all of your followers were seeing those posts. I had started to build an email list during that time, but then I didn't really take like full advice on it and Uh, I was like more concentrated on building this Facebook community. And essentially, you know, we lost the reach of it just because of some algorithm changes, even nothing that we had even done on anything like that. So I learned a hard lesson to really build on email. And today, I am joined by Alphavit Fisher from redstrategy.com. Alphavit is a uh, is a consultant, a private practice consultant for that uh, specifically works with therapists who are transitioning to private pay practices. And we're going to just cover this topic of email sequences. We start out by exploring what exactly an email sequence is, and then we get into more of the logistical nitty-gritty on things, uh, why more clinicians aren't creating it, as well as what how can you repurpose existing content that you've already created into your email sequence. And a question that I often wonder about, which is, you know, how long should these email sequences be? And how do you tailor them if you are a solo practitioner or if you have a group practice and you are as a solo practitioner, if you've, you know, working sort of with a general population, how do you create an email sequences if you have like multiple specialties or specializations? And then if you're a group practitioner, inevitably you're covering a range of different topics. so. How do you create a, an email sequence that logistically makes sense and uh, and can be helpful uh, to get more clients in the door? We'll get right to today's session. Here's my conversation with Avavit Fisher from redstrategy.com. Hi, Avavit. Welcome to Selling the Couch.
1: Hi, Melvin. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: First of all, I'm before we even jump in I'm grateful for LinkedIn out of all places right uh, <laughs> it's enabled us to connect and it's crazy that we are live in neighboring states and one of these days we will make a live live get-together happen but yeah I'm just incredibly grateful for you incredibly grateful for the work you're doing with therapists and excited for this conversation on email sequences in a ner- nerdy way as well because you know this is stuff that I'm really into and trying to learn and get better at as well.
1: It's very kind of you to say all that. Um, I really appreciate it. And I hope we do meet in person. And I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. On and off, I remember when I started, you want, your podcast was one of the first places I wanted to verify my idea of working with therapists. So thank you. Yeah,
0: you're so welcome. And thank you for, for listening. So when we were thinking about this episode, I think the question I posed to you was, Avi, why don't more therapists just create email sequences? It just seems like a logical thing, especially if you're doing clinical work, especially if you're doing like private pay clients, any of these things where there is like a little bit more work involved, right, to get these clients. But I didn't want to start jumping right into the middle of this. Maybe we can just start with a kind of a basic understanding. So we're all on the same page. What exactly is an email sequence?
1: So an email sequence is part of your email marketing, which is different than emailing your clients with uh, with just general, general updates or about uh, any type of treatment that you have been discussing. It's the whole purpose of email marketing is to create awareness about your private practice, educate your potential clients about how you could help them and also uh, create a community of sorts for yourself. So an email sequence is one of the best ways to sort of engage and nurture um, those relationships with your subscribers, email subscribers.
0: Yeah. And I love there's a lot of really good stuff you said in here. So you said there's kind of three parts to it. There's awareness, uh, educate, and then build a sense of community. And just so that I sort of understand, when you are thinking about email sequences, is this something that is kind of pre written beforehand that somebody that subscribes to your newsletter gets? Or are you thinking like an email sequence could also be correspondence that you do on some sort of a regular cadence? Like, you know, with, you know, with my newsletter, we send it out weekly. So would that be an email, like, how are you thinking about it?
1: So an email sequence is, the way I view it, it's a group of emails. So it can be several emails pre-written, and they are sent in a sequence. Uh, in other words, there's a, an order, there's a rhyme and reason to why they are sent in this way. That's a sequence. Weekly emails that you send out, if you have a newsletter or just an update, that is more of an email blast. So you just send it a one-time email.
0: The reason I, you know, we wanted to talk about this is because this seems like, again, something like creating like this definitely takes time and effort on the front end. But it's something that mm-hmm. especially long term can compound, right? Because anybody that's signing up uh, gets sort of this sequence of emails. Uh, I think the underlying thing, and and correct me if I'm wrong is, it's almost like welcoming somebody into your house, right? And you're right. sort of opening the door and it's not like you're sending like a blast email, but it's more like, hey, you know, here's, you know, here's the foyer and here's my living room and here's the dining room, like sort of like that. That's the image I get, but correct me if I'm wrong.
1: You're not wrong. Uh this is this is it. That's called a welcome email sequence. So when somebody just subscribes to your website, you they, you need to set the expectations for them. What can they expect from you? you? You need to tell them a little bit about yourself. You need to make them feel welcome and make them feel that they didn't waste their time subscribing to your email uh, list. And that is can be all done through uh, through a strategic email sequence, a welcome sequence. And that has worked well for me. And I don't know if you have any examples of that from from your practice and from your business?
0: Yeah, I mean, so we just launched, you know, our free email course, right for um, our online course, like free email course. And that's, yeah, that's basically a seven day email course. And it's a ways of, you know, a therapist that might be interested in online courses, instead of just me sending a weekly email, they get this like nice sequence of emails um, that, you know, helps validate their course idea. I just never I mean, to be honest, like, I don't know. In the initial stages, I never even thought about it on that level. Like, I was just like, oh, they opt in. I can email them. You know, I never thought like, oh, yeah, probably a smart idea to like, you know, help build a (laughs) connection and a trust and all of those things. But I suspect I'm not the only one, which is like kind of my next question. I feel like, again, for like, especially like private pay practices, email sequences and email marketing seems like such a good idea. But in your, experience why are more therapists not doing it
1: that's a good question and from my experience it's just a matter of being maybe a little bit afraid of setting it up me being a little bit afraid of this topic um, that's on one on the one hand on the other hand um it's not only um re- related to therapists, this feeling, but many people, like, they don't want to bother their subscribers, they don't want to annoy them, you know, and, and that can prevent them from like taking email marketing seriously. Um, And, and the thing is, I I was the same way when I started like a way way back when I was like, Okay, I got them on my list, and then I'm going to send them a blast here and a blast there and maybe promote something. But in reality, um, you know, people you need to when people give you their email address on, on your website, you need to after sort of earn their trust a little bit, right? So they give you that you don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to put them in a position, oh, this person just wants my email address just to like sell me stuff all the time, right? We we don't like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Like I think most people, when they opt into emails, there is like, uh, I feel like a reasonable level of skepticism around, oh mm-hmm. gosh, like, what are they going to pitch me? What are they going to sell me? Is this going to be genuinely helpful? And I think one of the things that I'm constantly, unlearning learning is sometimes I forget as somebody creating the emails, I sometimes forget what it's like to be a user.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's it's like, and it's an important thing to do, like to to sort of observe your own behavior when you're subscribing to somebody's email. When you just learn about somebody, that's me, maybe it's similar to you. When I just learn about somebody um, who says things that I want to know more about, right? And I subscribe to their emails. I actually want to hear more from this person. I want to know what else you can tell me and what else. And I'm not opposed to them pitching me at some point, but as, as, as long as they tell me more of what I need to learn. So yeah, this is the positive of of the email sequences.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just even like hone like with STC traditionally, I would say ninety percent of sales of anything have come through email. Like ten percent has come through social media. Even even we just wrapped up our mastermind launch, and a hundred percent of the sales actually came through email. So either folks that were on our email newsletter for a number of years, or That actually went through our email course and were interested. Um, I actually, and to be fair, I didn't do as many social media posts, but the one thing that I found or I learned, we did like I think two of them this time. This is the other challenge, right? We are at the mercy of these social media algorithms, right? And as soon as you put some sort of an external link, for example, in a social media post, they're like, oh, we don't like that because we want to keep users... Within our ecosystem. So they'll, you know, like significantly reduce your reach. Whereas email is so powerful because theoretically, right, it is going to everybody's inbox, right? It's going Mm -hmm. to have much more of the percentage of people that are actually subscribed or have the opportunity to see it.
1: Right. Exactly. This is, and your list is your own asset. In a way, right? It like it belongs to you, you know, as long as people want to remain on your list, obviously, but it belongs to you. You don't have to borrow the audience from the platform. You can just have your audience and communicate with your audience directly. So that's the beauty of, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is right. Yeah, you're not at the mercy of of, of sort of different things. Um, I wanted to spend Uh, just some time thinking about like, actually talking about the nitty gritty of this. So the first one is, how do you pick a topic for your sequence? So specifically, I'm thinking, maybe we can even think on like the solo practitioner level and the group practitioner level. So like a solo practitioner, for example, might work with a population, right? So for example, Mm -hmm. you know, professional, like young, young professional lawyers, something like that, right? But within that, they may have like little niches, right? Like lawyers who work in big laws, struggling with, I don't know, like alcoholism or something, right? How do you build an email sequence when you may have like two or three niches, right? Or special specializations? Do you build them for each of them? Or do you build like a one common one that overlaps? Like, I don't know if that question's clear, but
1: no it's a it's a it's a good question. So typically, when people subscribe to your email list, they are doing it in exchange uh, for a lead magnet. so some kind of piece of valuable information. So the way if you know what your uh, what your niche is and who your ideal client is and what specific issues they're dealing with, you can create a very specific lead magnet so let's let's take lawyers for example like i don't know struggle with sleep deprivation just something i'm assuming it's common right so let's say you're you decide that they would really benefit from a checklist of nighttime routine of how to fall how to fall back asleep or something like this so if you Create a lead magnet like this. Then it then it sort of gives you a start for your um, for your sequences, right? So okay, so they learn about you know how to set up routines. So what is the next thing that they would want to uh, want to learn? And then you kind of build on that. Now, if you're using an email marketing software like you know Constant Contact or Mailchimp or or uh, ConvertKit, you can tag the people that. Um, opt in to get that specific lead magnet by an interest. So you can create a tag like, for example, downloaded X Y Z. You know, lead magnet, and then. You understand what their interest is more or less, right? So you can then later send more targeted campaigns. but when it's the first sequence, you can just build on that lead magnet. You can just say, and you probably you know if you if you are a practice that has been working on its s e o you probably have just a bunch of blog articles that you can just insert in those email 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 sequence. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. I mean, and I think So what I hear in that is a couple of things. So one is like, think about what a universal or maybe even helpful opt-in is for the population Mm -hmm. that you're serving. The second part of this is, again, this is, my gosh, I'm constantly having to learn this and I feel like half the time I mess up, which is (laughs) I add like more work to my plate, even though there's already content (laughs) created and I can just repurpose it. So like, yeah, it doesn't have to be this heavy lift of, I got to now create an opt-in plus... bunch of content after maybe take a step back and say what have you already created and it could be and even if you're somebody that's listening that's not necessarily maybe active on social media or maybe doesn't blog think about even worksheets right that you give to clients Mm -hmm. maybe i mean i feel like every therapist has probably created custom worksheets right so so things like that i think could be great options as well hey there i hope that you're enjoying today's podcast session so I've, you know, jumped back into private practice and I decided to go the private pay route. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how do I tap into outer network benefits for clients that might want to use it. Now, the common sort of perspective or tip that a lot of folks say is just to provide a super bill for clients, but the reality is I feel like most clients aren't going to go take a super bill and then call the insurance company and then deal with that whole mess of trying to communicate with the insurance companies and waiting on reimbursement and all of that kind of stuff, right? And then at some point, especially if they're keenly aware of budget and stuff like that, they're like, oh my gosh... I may not be able to afford working with this therapist and all of those kind of things, right? Thri- this is where Thrizer comes in. And the really cool thing with Thrizer is that they will actually float the clients for the sessions. So basically, when you sign up for Thrizer, you can automatically submit out-of-network claims for your clients. It's simply done through an app. It literally takes seconds. And Thryzer takes care of all of the insurance stress. So we don't have to deal with it as clinicians. Our clients don't have to deal with it. And clients just pay what they owe for uh, for actual sessions, i.e. like the difference between your rate and the reimbursement rate in order to skip the long insurance wait. All they have to do is pay the standard 3% credit card fee. There is no monthly contracts or fees or anything like that. If you would like to try out Thrizer. You can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thrizer. Enter the promo code STC so that your first $2,500 in fees are waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thrizer. And Thrizer is spelled T H R I Z E R. And enter the promo code S T C.
1: Right, it it can be that, and if you don't have worksheets, maybe it's um, useful information about I don't know external organizations like nonprofits or whatnot. And they're just the important thing is to keep the subscribers' interests in mind. It's not about you promoting your practice as much as you are being very useful to the subscriber, right? So the more useful you are they're more likely they will be opening your emails in the future. So think long term. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's like, I mean, as with most of this stuff online is definitely a long term play. But yeah, I don't know, like, this might be like overly simple. But one of the, the guiding principles I've, I've thought about when we because, you know, we send like you, like I send a weekly email. And for Mm -hmm. a long time, I used to get so scared of like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, are people going to just unsubscribe from this thing, right? Especially when you have like lower numbers, you're like every one of those emails counts, right? And, uh, but I think one of the questions that has just been a guiding thing for me is, would I want to read this, right? And it does this like genuinely take care of the person behind that email, right? Like, do they... Do they feel valued do they feel like they didn't waste their time you know and all of those kind of things and i it sounds overly simplistic but i think if you come from a heart of care and and remember there's a person behind the email and and then take that step back and say, would this genuinely be helpful for them? I think it's a good sort of centering thing, at least for me. I mean, what anything like that, that's been helpful for you, even from like a mindset perspective as you think about, you know, writing these emails or creating them.
1: Right. So for example, I'll give you an example of my welcome sequence. So for my, my subscribers, they usually practitioners, for the most part, solo practitioners who are interested in starting or growing their private pay practice. So when I was sitting down and writing my welcome sequence, and it was a while ago, I revisit revisit it sometimes, but for the most part, it's the same. And I'm thinking about, okay, so what is the most, where do they need to start? What else do they need to add to their, you know, to-do list when they're starting or building their business? So everything that I have on my welcome sequence is to make their life easier, including the offer to work with me as well, because that also makes their life easier. But when I'm coming from the place, I I do come from the place of, well, if I was a private practice owner, what, what would I need to know? Where would I need to go? And I don't want them to go to other places. I want them to stay, to stay with me, to stay with my emails. So it's a lot of legwork a lot of legwork like, work ahead of time but but you do it once that's the beauty of the of the sequence you do it once and then it just it's automated and it keeps sending out so you don't have to repeat like reinvent the wheel all the time
0: do you have a general framework of like how many of these emails should be in a email sequence like
1: i think that like I, you know they, uh, the marketing experts say that a person needs to hear at least like five to seven times from you so I would say, you know, five emails would be good. If you you don't feel like writing five, you can write four. But I, I think definitely between four and five emails and you can set an expectation. You can say in the next week, you're going to be getting emails about X, Y, and Z. So people know, so they know that there's an end to it as well, because you also don't want to leave them feeling like forever, you're going to be sending <laughs> those emails yeah. every three yeah. days.
0: Yeah. Right. Like how long so. is this like the never ending email sequence? You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we, we want to avoid that again by like going back to that question we joke about it now, but like it's that question of does this person feel comfortable? Do they feel cared for? Right. And so even down to like, yeah, the number that you're setting and all of those things. So we talked about solo practitioners. Any advice for like group practitioners? Because I feel like there's definitely a level of complexity, right, both in the number of clinicians as well as a lot of group practitioners. Um, they may not like specifically niche all the time. Although I definitely know group practitioners that do, but so any like general words of advice for a group practitioner that's thinking about creating an email sequence?
1: Do you mean the advice regarding the content or regarding the technical
0: content? Because they may be seeing, for example, like, you know, 15, 20 different presenting concerns, right? And they've sort of built expertise from everything from, uh, you know, social phobia to Major oppressive disorder to, you know, to maybe even working with certain populations, right? Like neuropsych testing or something, right? Like when you're doing something. So, so many I would things, say,
1: so. right. So I would say if there's, if, if you have several practitioners in your practice and each one of them have their own sort of niche and and it's all under umbrella of your practice. I mean, you can have different lead magnets that go into different uh, welcome sequences. There's one way. Another way is creating your welcome sequences, um, educating your subscribers about the brand of your private practice, what makes you different, what makes you stand uh, apart from your com- competition. And then that becomes a little bit less about the needs of the subscriber but it becomes more about as a brand awareness campaign that that also is a possibility but if you want to nurture the the your subscribers then i think that having several welcome sequences by particular lead magnets would would work as well and i had it for myself like for for a while i had several uh welcome sequences for different Uh, Things that people were able to download on my website. So, for example, I had people that downloaded like a worksheet about an ideal client, or I had a sequence. I remember I I created this sort of mini course about uh, during COVID about how to how to take care of yourself uh, with marketing uh, with with the help of marketing during COVID when you're over burnt out and overwhelmed. And that had its own welcome sequence. So you can, you can do things like that.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And I like the flexibility of all of this is you can also tailor it to like seasons of life, events that are happening, like, you know, things like that. And even I was just thinking as you were sharing, if you're a group practitioner, and also honestly, as a solo practitioner, if you're gathering any sort of analytics, right, and running Mm -hmm. reports on what type of clients are coming in, right, and, just a very logical thing might be to create an email opt-in slash sequence around like the top thing, right. And just starting there uh, and then, and then branching out if you want to, you know, that way you're using analytics versus just kind of taking a guess, you know, or creating a sequence maybe that, you know, you've only had like a very hand, a small handful of clients versus the majority.
1: Right. Oh, and another thing I wanted to tell you about the fear of unsubscribers, actually, you know, those platforms, email marketing platforms are pretty sophisticated. So you can attack people by the type of link they click. So you can always, within your welcome sequence, give your subscribers an option to opt out of the welcome sequence, but remain on your list. So that gives them an extra sort of like, Care, I would say, is like, well, if you're not interested, you can just click on this link and you will stop receiving the emails from the welcome sequence. And that works sometimes well with, uh, to like reduce the rate of unsubscribers that will happen anyway every time you send an email. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't actually know about that option. That's very cool. I have to think about how to implement that. Yeah. And I think to your point, like for me, again, sometimes we forget, like as a user, like I've been on email newsletters where I'm like, you know, man, you guys are emailing a lot. Are they able to unsubscribe? Or um, that topic is not really like as much resonant for me in this season. So I'm going to unsubscribe. It's rarely, honestly, like about the person. It's more of a like season of life or, oh my gosh, my inbox is way too flooded. So I imagine like, I don't know, at this point, like I've yeah, I've I've gotten much more comfortable with it. But I do remember there was a season where, you know, we'd have unsubscribes and I'd be like, oh gosh, I keep emailing, you know. It
1: stinks. Yeah. Every time it you see mean. an unsubscriber, it stinks because you work so hard to, <laughs> to attract those subscribers. So I can definitely relate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, even to just share like the other side of this, like typically I was, I was looking at our <clears throat> analytics right before we talked. So we have... Approximately thirty six hundred people on our email. We typically you know, on our main email list. So we have anywhere from three to seven unsubscribes, which is actually, I mean, when I looked at it, I was like, because to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, like seven people that aren't that don't want you know my stuff anymore. But then statistically, if you look at it, it's such a low percentage. I'm like, oh, we're actually doing a really good job, and that was in a weird way like liberating when I looked it at it what the baseline is and Mm -hmm. yeah so
1: yeah it it is low and people will always like you you don't know maybe it's somebody somebody's in a bad mood that uh, during that day you know you you can never know but you know as long as you're you're attuned to what your subscribers want and in fact sometimes it's good to send out a survey and ask them how you can approve your emails or your newsletter and some people resp- will respond some people will not i i can tell you that i when i when i get a higher rate of unsubscribers after a certain email i'm looking at the at the email itself and i'm thinking like well what was different about this one than the other ones and some insights that i've had were very very interesting actually so for example one of my insights is that the minute i mention something personal i have a higher rate of unsubscribers really? which yeah which is very interesting because everybody says like oh you have to be like very yeah you have to show a little bit of personality but this is not why my subscribers subscribe to my emails they want to learn about their business so they don't really care you know how my kids <laughs> day in. went yeah. <laughs> in school yeah.
0: So it's so interesting. So even I'm so glad you brought that example because I have the exact opposite. Like when we when I actually mention personal, and maybe it's because I always mention it like something we're happening in life from business or something. I feel like it doesn't really like sometimes it's lower unsubscribed, but it doesn't really move the knot, needle like that significantly. In uh, fact, yeah, I get see. reply. Well, it's interesting because I do get replies back, be like, oh my gosh, thanks for the life update, or you know. So it is fascinating, like what people are signing up for, how they're, you know, how their impressions of you. And yeah, it's just, there's so many little nuances to it. And I think the big thing I'm taking away is like, there's no one size fit, right? And I think the best thing to do is sort of align with what's the most comfortable for you and Mm -hmm. realize like, it's always this iterative, like process, right? I heard this great quote recently from Ali Abdal that I've just been sharing it everywhere, which is, you know, he says, when you're starting something new, first, you want to get going, then you want to get good, and you want to get smart, right? And I think it's the same thing with email sequences, right? Like, you know, it just, it's okay, like, the first step is to get going, it's not actually to get good. And I think sometimes therapists swap the others, those two out, like, I got to get this perfect, and then I'll get going, <laughs> you know,
1: right? And, and it's intimidating if that's, if that's how you position yourself, like it's, it's scary. And maybe that's what is keeping them from using email marketing for their practice.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, and, and the other side of that, like, I don't want to like minimize it because I do, I think underneath that, of course, there's a fear element there, but there's also, I think, a genuine desire to want to provide something that's helpful. Right. But it's like, but if you by the same token, but then if you see it as more of like, this is a process versus like, I got to figure it all out. And I think especially clinicians, I think so many of us are wired that way. Because I mean, think about like training and all of these things, everything is based on a, what if you accomplish this, you get this, right? Everything down Mm -hmm. from grades to licensure to all these things. And so it is a bit of unlearning uh, to be able to do things like this. Right. What would you say is like the top mistake that a therapist makes when it comes to doing these email sequences besides getting started?
1: It's a hard question to answer, honestly, because I haven't seen many email sequences from therapists, but I would say is having them too generic of like too generic of topics, like too generic of advice, like, you know, Everybody has the five steps to like quiet your anxiety at the moment or, or something like this. Everybody has those, you know, these are very, very general for like a, a, a big audience. And it's very difficult to grab somebody's attention. So not being specific enough to somebody audience, because in reality, even if you build a very small email list, but this email list is engaged and they want to hear from you, you already want, you don't need a big audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I mean, I I know folks that have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people on their email list. And I think when I look at those numbers, I'm like, you know, my like 3,600, it seems so small, but like, I think one of the things that I most appreciate is like, I do feel like we have a really engaged list. And you know, I've been, you know, like fortunately able to build a business around it, right? And mm-hmm. and I think it's the power of email. Like and it's also this realization that, yeah, you don't need a big amount of people. Like you said, it's actually about the quality of the people. Like if it's your ideal people, right, um, they're your sort of super fans, right? Mm-hmm. It 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 definitely changes the game and changes dynamic on things.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm so grateful for you, grateful for our friendship. I know this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to email sequences. You're doing some pretty amazing stuff in the world. Uh, where can we learn about you? Uh, I know that you're, you know, um, starting to work with therapists as well, doing these sequences. Let us, please, let us know how we can get in touch with you and support the good work that you're doing in the world.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate our connection as well. Thank you, LinkedIn. So, with that, <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active. Uh, there, as you said, you can find me on my website, redstrategy.com, red with two Ds. And there's actually a lot of free resources for therapists there. So you can check it out and a lot of blog posts. But also I write a weekly newsletter called Therapy Business Brief. And uh, you can subscribe on therapybusinessbrief.com. And it's it's a really fun newsletter because I curate all the latest news that are related to to therapy business, to mental health industry, and also therapy business. And I add a few cents about marketing from from me as well. So it's a it's a fun read every week. It so- is a good
0: read. I'm so sur- I'm a subscriber, and uh, the way that you curate uh, just information that's happening in in mental health it's pretty amazing. So.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for being a subscriber. <laughs> I work very hard to create it every every week. So.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely shows. And uh, yeah. Um, Avit, I'm so grateful for you. I appreciate our friendship. Have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. And you too. Hi
0: there. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Avit And especially if you have been thinking about creating an email sequence and just trying to navigate that world, I hope more than anything is just giving you encouragement and sort of that next step to to take that that next uh, courageous and bold step. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, email has been big for me, even as we start to slowly expand beyond just the podcast. I'm writing on LinkedIn more. We just recently launched our YouTube channel. Uh, unofficially. We're formally launching it in 2024. But as we sort of expand into all of these mediums, I'm constantly reminded that email is still where it's at. And you will notice that a lot of our calls to actions and things like that all drive back to email. uh, Because I do believe, uh, as Elvavit shared, it's real estate that we own. And we're not at the mercy of sort of these algorithms or these social media platforms or anything like that. So, definitely encourage you, especially if you have been active on social media and you've been going back and forth about creating an email list and you've convinced yourself, like, oh, it's more important to grow my followers versus my email list. Would just humbly ask you to reconsider and think about the role that email could play and just also learn from my mistake of being really cautious uh, when it comes to building on these platforms without building. Assets where you where it's um, basically real estate that you own, um, i.e., your email list. I was reflecting a lot on this conversation, and the thing that I took away is don't. And I don't know how to say this, but like I feel like all of us as clinicians, we're wickedly smart, we're accomplished. But I think because we are smart and accomplished. Uh, We also have a tendency to kind of get in our own way and we feel like something like an email sequence where it could literally be stuff that you've already created, uh, that it could just be repurposing of that versus this pull I know that I struggle with, which is I got to create something brand new. Uh, So I would resist, I would urge you to resist that urge to create something new, especially if you are right at the start. Uh, Again, that quote from Ali, which is, you know, get going, then get good, then get smart. So the first step, even for me, like I realize, you know, getting going is often a multi-month or even possibly even a multi-year process. Uh, And then getting good at it, like is also a long-term process. If you sort of generally think in long runways, I think it can be extremely beneficial for you. Avavit is doing some pretty amazing uh, work in the world, so definitely connect with her on LinkedIn and uh, check out her website at redstrategy.com, especially if you are a clinician that is uh, has built a practice but would like to transition to private pay. Uh, and I know that Avavit is doing a little bit of experimenting with helping therapists also create their email sequences as well. I think that's it. Oh, and the final thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I get a, a lot of questions around like, what email platform would I recommend? So we use Kartra. And it's kind of an all in one So that includes both email as well as like course you can build courses in it can build membership sites, all of that stuff. If you'd love to support the blog, that's over at selling the couch.com forward slash Kartra. We've used it for a number of years. I think with all of these platforms, they have their own little quirks. But overall, we've been really happy with Kartra. Now, the thing that I am experimenting with is I just literally had a conversation with the team at ConvertKit about two weeks ago. And one of the things that we are considering is actually moving our main email newsletter to ConvertKit. So the reason is a couple of things. So One is when I recommend a product, generally I like to use it uh, and be a user of it. That way, I get a more nuanced understanding of what's great about it, what's about it, and then what's not so great about it. And ConvertKit also recently launched this thing called the Creator Network. So basically, as a therapist, inevitably there are going to be therapists, coaches, folks that are in a similar or related niche to you. uh, To you, and so they can actually recommend your newsletter as well. And you can you know, get sales or get more subscribers that way. So it's a great way. I haven't seen Karcher be able to do this. Um, and so that's the main reason that I'm actually considering, even though it could be presumably more complex, to still have Karcher as our main thing, but having our main newsletter within ConvertKit. Uh, again, if you'd like to support the blog, that link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash ConvertKit. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
0: Hey there, I hope that you enjoyed today's session. Uh, Thank you again for taking the time to listen all the way through If you are a therapist and you're specifically in a season where you're a seasoned therapist and you are wanting to move from clinical to online course income, we actually have a specific mastermind for therapists who are doing this. So this is basically a group of really kind and supportive therapists who are also wildly successful as business owners. We meet together to build and grow and scale our online courses. You can learn more about that mastermind over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. All one word, sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's session.